Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Good morning. Let's, let's grab a seat, guys. Last one seated gets to get up here and talk next week. I'm watching. All right. So good to see all, you, all of you this morning. Um, saw some new faces this morning. Welcome. Glad, glad to have you join us. Hopefully you'll, you'll uh, get to meet some new people. Um, if you guys see new, new faces here, just go up and introduce yourselves to them and, and make them feel welcome. All right. So we're, we're working on a little um, series here uh, with Cowboy Etiquette. And so this week I'm going to talk about... Um, Filling a hole or, or filling a gap. Um, when you ride out with a, with a group of cowboys on a gather, um, the cow boss will, you'll, you'll all leave the, the, the outfit at the same time. <clears throat> and as you make the circle, the cow boss will drop you off. Uh, and your job is to, to gather a, a little piece of country. Um, and the cow boss has a plan in mind when he does that. He'll, he'll put the the least experienced people next to the more experienced people. He'll put the, the younger horses on an easier uh, part of the circle. He'll put the, the older horses on a tougher part of the circle. And so when, you, when he does that, um, you're expected to do your job. You're expected to stay in that spot. And, and you, might, you might start out uh, 10, 15 miles from wh- where the gather is going to be held. But when you get back, when you get back with your cattle, you, you should be in the same spot. Okay. So um, when I uh, when I graduated from Montana State University, it was in December, and so I took my ag business degree and promptly got a job calving heifers. And so I uh, I helped out calving heifers, and I had this this two-year-old gelding that was that was really nice, and, and I was pretty proud of him, and I was pretty proud of myself. Uh, I thought I'd done a heck of a job with them, and, and so we got through the spring, and we got into branding season, and, and the outfit I worked for at that time was, they, they weren't in Montana standard, weren't very big, they, they ran maybe four or five hundred mother cows, and, uh, and so we, we branded ours, and then, and then, so all the neighbors came and helped, and then, and then we'd go and brand all, the, all of their cattle, too, and we just, uh, we had a couple brandings a week for about two months, and I don't, we branded three or four thousand calves that spring, and so I remember early on, um, we went, we went and branded with another guy, and he, he took us out, and, he, and so he was the cow boss that morning, and, and, he, and I was riding my two-year-old, and he put me on the inside circle, and it was a gather of about maybe as big as this building, and so I could barely turn my horse around in it, and I, I was kind of offended. I'm like, man, I'm a top hand. I should, I, you know, you should be sending me out and, and covering some country. Well, well, he knew what I was mounted on, and so... Uh, so I didn't say much about it, and we got back with the cattle and got, got started branding, and, and we branded in shifts. Part of the group would hold herd, and part would, would uh, work, the, work the calves on the ground, and part would, would rope. And as he was rotating us through, I, I never got my chance to rope, and I was wondering what was going on. And he, uh, so I went up and asked him, I said, you know, I'd really like to rope some calves on this colt. And he looked at me and said, your colt's not ready. I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's doing good, he's ready. And so the next rotation came around, and I still hadn't got to rope, and I kept badgering the guy, and finally he said, okay, go get your colt. So I go in there, and I ride in, and everything's going great, and I heal the first calf, and I turn, and I'm going out of the herd, and the calf slipped one foot and kicked up the rope, and it slapped that colt in the butt, 
You guys know what a lawn dart looks like? So I, I had the same tra tra trajectory and the same landing as a lawn dart. So the cow boss come up to me and he said, are you ready to do your job? And I said, yes, sir. Um, so he could see that I wasn't prepared to, to handle a very big piece of country that day. And now fast forward, you know, a couple of years ago, got an opportunity to go branding in Wyoming and the cow boss up there took one look at the big old stout horse I was riding and he gave me the outside circle and we probably you know, trotted 15 miles or so, gathered calves, probably drug 7,500 calves to the fire that day on that horse and then rode home. So then that cow boss could see that I'd, you know, I'd gained a little bit of knowledge and a whole lot of humility and was better mounted and so was able to, to cover a bigger piece of country. And so that's kind of how we are with our, with our spiritual journey. And that's how we are with our jobs and our families. I mean, we, we got to know what we're capable of and, and fulfill our duties. We have to know our spot. We have to, we have to, so many people aren't happy with, with their spot and they're trying to do someone else's and they're, they're not even capable of, of covering their own hole. And so uh, we got to remember to, uh, to, to try to do that. And, and, and even in the church here, um, when you're asked to do something, when you're expected to do something, that's what you do. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people that kind of start out taking the small circle and never really do uh, develop into someone that can that can cover more country. Uh, we we want to try to avoid that. We want to keep expanding and building our, our our ability to to cover more ground. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Need to slow down a little bit. I don't want you taking my job. I mean, I want you to do good, don't get me wrong, but you might tone it down just a little bit. Good job. Good job. Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Uh, I was living in Lubbock, Texas, which is about like living near Rock Springs, Wyoming. Have y'all ever been to Rock Springs, Wyoming? <laughs> Those people are double tough or something. There's nothing in Rock Springs, Wyoming. But anyway, so uh, I, was, I was living in Lubbock, Texas. There is a reason that there is a, uh, a song called Happiness is Lubbock in the Rearview Mirror. And I was living there, and I got a call from my buddy Ralph Hager that y'all hear me talk about all the time. And Ralph said, hey, man, I got three. This is back whenever you could cross horses over from Mexico. He said, hey, man, I, I just got in three horses from Mexico, and... Uh, I'm going to be riding them, trying to sell them. And basically, you're going to come down here and put the first few rides on them, whether you like it or not. I was like, sure, I'd be glad to that you asked so nicely. So I took some time off. And, you know, this was a time that, I mean, I was breaking horses a lot. And, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that at this point in my life, you know, this is kind of before the Internet got big so you can tell how long ago this was this was before the internet yes there was a time before internet kids and um you know i i didn't know anything about i i had heard of ray hunt i was a big ray hunt fan i loved his ketchup and um um uh yeah i i, I put it on everything and so uh, I was a big fan of Ray Hunt. Tom Dorrance, I'd never heard of Tom Dorrance and everything. And, you know, at this time, now we didn't abuse horses, but just like 
a bunch of ranches did back then. We just kind of sacked them out till they quit throwing a fit, and then you girded them up and you just kind of climbed on them and kind of rode them till they quit bucking, and it's kind of what we did. Well, and guess what? That's what me and Ralph did. But I had gotten pretty salty. I mean, it had literally been about three years since I had been bucked off. And that does not mean to say that I hadn't climbed on one in three years. I was nearly doing it for a living. And I was getting pretty salty at those first couple of rides. And so anyway, uh, I pull in with all my cack and my, you know, all the tools of my trade in the back of the pickup, stand up, give old Ralph a handshake and a man hug. Hey, buddy, how you doing? The Bronx Peeler is here. And so anyway, we go out to this pen and there's this black horse it looks like satan's daughter and then there's this really pretty gray horse and he said well we're only going to get on two today we're going to start with that black one peed a little but it wasn't it wasn't much it was it was a prostate problem that's all it was it wasn't fear wasn't fear it was prostate problem so anyway i get up there and you know we we get this old horse snubbed up and get him uh Ralph is on this Andalusian horse that's about like Sean's that he rides, you know, big old gray horse, you know, stout as all get out. And so, anyway, we get him snubbed up, and we get him saddled and everything, and I mean, this thing looks like he's going to turn around, and, you know, like the other head is going to come out and eat me, and I'm like, oh, this ain't going to be no big deal. So, anyway, I, I get on him, and I climb on and Ralph's like you got him I'm like yeah I got him he's like all right let's go so he turns loose of him and we just sit there and that scares the fire out of me when that happens <laughs> actually Don Martinez over there going that's scary and it is man whenever you're sitting there in that first ride and you can just feel him kind of quivering a little bit so you try to be nice like that's gonna really make it oh yeah this one is broke to so anyway, I smooched him, and we kind of get going. You know, he kind of humping up a little bit, but kept his feet moving and got him going and got him going and got him. And you know what? He kind of humped up just a little bit, but it was more out of fear. And I mean, I just sat up there loose as a goose. And uh, I'm not talking about my bladder there. I'm talking about just the way I was riding. And so anyway, we're going along through there. And everything. Man, before too long, I was able to stop him and kind of turn him around. He was doing really, really good. I was nearly wanted to pat myself on the back but I knew that didn't have you know I didn't have anything to do with it sometimes it just works out that way and it's good and so anyway we finally got done with him and there's that gray horse over there and he's just like I'm like man we got the bad one out of the way better not thought there's a little foreshadowing going on here if you don't notice so anyway, we get the gray horse out there. We don't even have to snub him up. Walk up there, put a halter on him. I'm like, is this horse broke? He said, not according to Pedro. Different Pedro. Different Pedro. And uh, anyway, so, you know, we, we throw everything up on him. I'm serious, man. He never bats an eye. And supposedly he had never had a saddle on him in his life. Literally, cinched him up. Just kind of looking around. Didn't move or nothing. I'm like, did you ace this horse or what? He goes, no, I ain't done nothing. So anyway, did the back cinch and everything, and I kind of cheeked him around a little bit. He seemed fine. Ralph's like, well, I don't guess you need me in here. So him and Rabbit, they exit the round pen and everything, and I'm talking to him and kind of feeling about six foot nine about right now. 
about 2.30, old chest bowed out, stepped up on this old horse, and he just stood there. I was like, man, this is awesome. Where'd you get these horses, Ralph? He said, get that horse moving. So I was like, all right. And he, you know, he, he did kind of, you know, have to kind of hump up whenever you hit them the first time to kind of suck their belly in and everything. I was like, it's all right. You know, just kind of let him take a couple of steps, and it was all good. I'm like, this is awesome, man. I need to make a video and talk like an Australian. I bet it'll be big. <laughs> and so anyway, we start, you know, kind of going around. And, and, you know, if you've ever ridden colts, there's the... You know, there's a kind of a, a, an unsure walk. And then there's a deal where they kind of pin their ears back a little bit and they do their best to drive the saddle up through your this end and into the back of your head. And, you know, and I don't care how good a cowboy you are when, when you get on that bronc and he's stiff-legging and you're dun, 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 around there, but it's still going good. And then he breaks into this little lope. I'm like... Usually you got to, you know, really kind of get on them to get them to lope. He didn't, man. He was in the right lead. I could hear like the Bonanza music playing. <laughs> I wanted to wave to Ralph, but he started getting faster. <laughs> and he started getting faster. And he started getting faster. And all of a sudden he cut straight across that big round pin and pile-drived me. I heard somebody say something about a lawn dart a while ago. Mine was more like a shot put. <laughs> he was loping and everything. He, got, he, he would kind of lope and then trot and then lope and trot. And it was like he was waiting. He was setting me up. Because about the time I came forward, I mean, he went straight up in the air and then just wham! And I mean, my feet were back behind me. I fell off so hard right on my face. You ever seen a scorpion? You know what a scorpion is? It's when you land on your face and your feet are above you. That's what I look like. Hurt? Oh my gosh, did it hurt. There was a ringing in my ears. Actually, no, that was Ralph laughing. He had this high-pitched laugh. <laughs> you should have seen that. That was great. Do it again. Well, my pride was hurt now over here he's like so I got back up on him here we go again we start going around now I'm ready for him boy I got my deep seat and I got my deep seat and he goes around faster and faster and faster and faster and all of a sudden he just goes Arr! and I went forward and he went Arr! boom and pile drive me again <laughs> I am covered in dirt my hat looks like Festus Good grief, what is going on here? So anyway, here comes Ralph with his big gray horse. He's like, you need some help? I'm like, no, I get this. We're doing great. He says, hang on a second. So before I got on, Ralph was a lefty. Might be why I like you, Sean. Ralph is lefty. He reached out there, and he roped the left hind foot of that horse. Dallied up, stretched him out, said, what are you thinking, ride a three-legged horse? I'm riding a nine-legged horse, old coot. So I get on him. Ralph is in the middle, 
because this horse is running faster than rabbit can run in a circle. And so Ralph is like, we're like a, a carousel. And the horse did the same thing, and right as he was fixing to blow up, Ralph dallied, but it did no good because see what this horse was doing is he was bucking backwards. And this time when he bucked, if I ever see a single one of you use screw-in hinges on a gate, those will kill you. Because this time he didn't throw me onto the ground, he threw me into the top of the gate with these screw-in hinges, not well-done hinges by the way, Ralph Hager, he's worse than a Weatherby, and they folded over. And so when I hit the top of this gate, throat punched by a gate, the gate fell off, I landed on top of the gate that is now on the ground, and the horse vacated over the top of me. Well, not past me, because Ralph was still dallied, and it happened to be the same length as where I was laying. So this horse had to stomp me about three times before Ralph could undo his dally. He might have been laughing at the same time and everything like that. Man, I got up. I didn't have no breath. I didn't have no pride left. I didn't have anything. I stood up, and Ralph had a big grin on his face, and he got off, and he walked over. He said, son, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. And then he said something. I'll never forget. I'll tell you about that in a minute. <laughs> Today we're going to start a series called Insanianity. Insanianity. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, expecting different results. You know, I know me as a Christian, I am still learning that, you know, the way we used to live before we came to know Christ should bear no reflection whatsoever on how we live our lives now. Somehow, we have been convinced or convinced ourselves or something that all we have to do is say, well, I believe in God, I believe Jesus is my Savior, and I can just keep right on trucking with the way that I've always lived my life, but now that I said Jesus is my Lord, that everything is going to be magically better. Bull cocky. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to use this scripture as a basis for a... Uh, for about the next four or five weeks, not counting Easter. Not counting Easter. 1 Timothy 4.12. It says this, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Paul is talking to a young man named Timothy, who is a young preacher, and he's trying to encourage him. And he says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are 23. No, he actually doesn't say that. He says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. But listen to what he says here. Be an example to all believers. And then he lists five things. Be an example to all believers. Now, before we get into those things, why would he tell Timothy to be an example? Does that mean that Timothy is the only one that's expected to do these things? No, because if you're going to be an example, don't you want to follow somebody's example? 
So he is, just because he's talking to a young preacher, telling a young preacher what to do, he's telling Timothy, be an example so that others will follow this same thing. And here's what he says. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. How can we be examples in what we say? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. The very first thing, Paul says, be an example to all believers in what you say. How did you used to talk before you came to know Christ, and how do you talk now? And before you jump out ahead of me and everything, I am not talking about using cuss words, okay? That gets my goat. Now, I'm not saying cuss words, you know what? Talking about, I knew a fella in, in uh, Kinosa where I came from, Fort Stockton area and everything. Boy, if you even said, and I'm not talking about just, you know, like, crud or dang it or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But you actually used a cuss word around his wife. He'd warn you one time, and I promise you that scared you enough, you didn't do it again. Because he respected his wife, and he respected other ladies. And he would walk up to you and say, hey, fella, there's ladies around. You gonna watch? How about you watch your mouth, okay? <laughs> I guarantee you're like, dude, I'm just going to shut it and leave. This dude was tough, big, and I mean, he was real nice about it. So I'm not, when I say, um, you know, how can we be examples in what we say, I'm not going to get into the whole, well, you shouldn't use cuss words, because we know that, you know, they're just a, if you said crud instead of the other word, it matters what you mean in your heart, not the syllables that come out of your mouth. Okay, so I am not talking about that. I'm going to talk about something that is more than that. We're not going to be that shallow that I'm going to spend your time in God's word talking about, well, this is words you can say, and these are the words that you can't say, and just, you know, okay, here we go. We need to use a little TLC with what we say. Not tender love and care, another TLC. The first thing that we need Whenever Paul says, be an example to all believers in what you say, he was talking about truth. Speaking the truth. What you say should only be the truth, and the truth can only be found in Christ. Didn't he say, I am the way, the truth? And that was a capital T. That was a capital W. That was a capital L. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. What you say should only be the truth, and the truth can only be found in Christ, not in what we think. And you know what? That's a bad problem that a lot of Christians say is they go around, well, I think, you know what? I could care less what any of you think. And really, you should care less what I think. Let's look at what God says about it, and let's stand on that truth. We shouldn't be worried about, you know, um, <laughs> I love this. My wife said it one time. She goes, we have, cre we have successfully created God in our image when he thinks just like we think, he believes just like we believe, and he would do what we think he would do. That is so far from the truth. But did you know that a lot of insanianities, insaniations, hey, there you go. There's a new word for the day, insaniations. Not Christians, but you know, 
God, God is not made in our image. We are made in the image of God. And if you want to know the truth, there's only one way to figure it out, and that's to go to Jesus. Ah, oh, well, he's getting real religious and everything like that. Tough. Listen, cowboys. I'm being serious. We need to quit worrying what we think all the time. Some of you, and I was included in this, and I've got kin folks that included in this. Some of you are too dang smart for your own good. You think you know it all. You don't. Only God does. Only his son, only the truth can be found in his son. How can we be examples in what we say? By speaking the truth in everything that we do. And what is speaking the truth? Sometimes that means doing what you say you're going to do. Is there any other greater uh, cowboy standard that can be set than doing what you say you're going to do? Keep your word. And there's not a single one of us, even the cowboy on stage, that cannot learn something from that and do better. Do what you say you're going to do. What you say should only be the truth, and the truth can only be found in Christ, not in what we think. Listen up. This is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. You want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper? Save the Cowboy wants to start a church in your area. We have a new program called Save the Cowboy Line Camps, and if you've been wishing that there was a Save the Cowboy in your area, then God is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one. Just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information. Come on, cowboys and cowgirls. Let's all do our part in this gathering. Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitch and Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach cowboys and cowgirls. Give Hitch and Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217. 